Today, we're going to be talking about uh, something a little different. We're going to be in the book of Ezekiel, which is not like a super happy book. And so um, it's in the Old Testament, and it's a, uh, Ezekiel was a prophet. And what I want to do is give you a little history, a little historical background, because that his, the history is going to be really important as you see, think to yourself, how is a prophet from the Old Testament with Israel, which uh, Old Testament people who are in captivity, how, does, how would that possibly relate to my life? And I think by understanding the history of, of where we are uh, in this setting, you will get a really good picture on how that can actually happen. And so uh, I entitled this slide, A Little History Lesson. All right, so to understand Israel, you have to understand the heart of God. God, from the very beginning, has had this dream That he would have a people, and they would be his people, and he would be their God. As a matter of fact, that terminology is all through the Old Testament. You will be my people, and I will be your God. And so that nation of Israel was supposed to be this people, and they were supposed to live in such a way that they followed God's rules, and they had God's heart, and they took care of the poor, and they did all these types of things that all the other nations around them would go, huh. That Yahweh thing looks pretty good. And that through Israel, through Israel's witness, if you will, the rest of the countries would come to know Yahweh. They would be his people and he would be their God. Well, what happened was about uh, 1043 B.C., Israel finally got together as a nation. They were a united kingdom, okay? And the first thing they do is they say, we want a king, <laughs> okay? And God says, no, 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 you missed, you missed my whole point. My whole point was, you were going to be my people, and you were going to do all the things I told you to do, and I was going to be your God. And just like you and I, they're like, no, I want God and something else. And so what they wanted, they didn't like the fact that all the other places around had a king and they didn't have a king and they're going to look weird. And they also, they got scared that if we don't have a king, they're going to come and attack us and take us all away, right? And God said to them very specifically, it's going to go bad for you. The exact opposite is going to happen. You're going to get a king. And in fact, they will attack you. And in fact, they will cart you off. And you'll begin to serve other gods. Well, they said, we want a king. And God does as God does. And he'll do it in your life if you want to. When you demand something and you say, I want it, he will let you have it. <laughs> I mean, not let you have it. But you know what I mean. He'll, he'll allow you to make your own choices. Let's put it that way. He won't like, you know, do one of those. So this is what happened. This kingdom was united in uh, 1043 B.C. It only lasted for 110 years. So when you read the Old Testament, you read about um, uh, Saul and King David and Solomon, and you kind of get this idea. You know, it spans a lot of, you know, a lot of the books uh, in the Bible, and you, you read about David and how it was only 110 years. And then, and then there was a revolutionary war, essentially, and they got split. So this is what it would be like, and the timing's about the same. It would be like in 1776, we sign our Declaration of Independence, um, and, and, and we're a country, and then when we ha- about the time we had our civil war, if it actually went and we separated, that's exactly what Israel did. They separated the north and the south. The north was Israel, the south was Judah, okay? And so... Um, uh, Israel got conquered, the northern part got conquered by the Assyrians in 722 B.C. 
okay, which made Judah just, they were just fine with that, okay, until 135 years later, the Babylonians came in and said, we ain't playing, and they just like went off, okay, and then Israel was essentially decimated, okay, the, 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 both the north and the south, the country. 10,000 Jews were brought to Babylon from that, from that, you know, from their destruction, okay? And what, the Babylonians were really smart. They took 10,000 of the best because the way the Babylonians saw it was they weren't going to have these people imprisoned. They were going to allow them to set up camp to, to, to live, but they were just going to have all the, the, the best of the best in, in their kingdom. And if you read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's a famous story. That happened during that Babylonian captivity. That was the same thing. If you read about Daniel, same Babylonian captivity. Well, there was this guy who went with the 10,000, him and his wife, named Ezekiel. And he was about 25 years old. So for those of you in, in here that are like, to me, 25 is just a pup. I mean, you're just like barely, I mean, you know, because I'm, I'm old. And so uh, Ezekiel uh, was 25 years old when this happened. And he was a contemporary with Daniel and Jeremiah. And again, I don't mean to bore you with all the history. It's all going to come around in a second. But Jeremiah was about 20 years older than Ezekiel. So Ezekiel leaves when he's 25. Five years later, God calls him to become a prophet, which is not like calling him to become the CEO of a major corporation. It's like, it's like I call you to be annoying. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's the problem with being called uh, a prophet. And for any of you who have the gift of prophecy in our midst, you know what it's like when you have that burning thing in you that says, I have to say what? And God's going, I want you to say it now. And you walk up to somebody and you're like, hi, I, you know, I just need to tell you that, you know, and it's just, it's just, it, it is. It's like, a, it's like they, he calls you to be uh, a disturbance, I guess, if you will. Okay. Well, this is what happened. Now, here's the thing I want us to get. And this is where we're going to wrap it for, for us. When Israel left their country and they ended up in another country, the dream that God had for them was put on hold. Now, it wasn't that they were being destroyed. In fact, um, if you, um, in the Bible, it says that God allowed this to happen to punish them, to show them, to open their eyes. The way it's supposed to happen, you are my people, I am your God. But they were worshiping idols. They were, they were they're becoming very wealthy and they, they were dismissing the poor. And, uh, and so God was getting more and more frustrated, warning them, warning them, warning them, warning them, warning them. And finally said, okay, you know what? The Babylonians are going to come. And so uh, uh, off we go. Now, here, here's the thing. Here's where I want to get to this morning. Some of you right now are in an exiled land away from the dream that God initially had for you. Now, some of that language that God might actually dream for your life might feel a little too personal. Like you kind of thought, or maybe your theology believes that, nope, everything, every step I take, I, everything is, he, you know, I'm, I don't want to go. You know, he, he kind of moves you along. The, the idea that God might actually say, you know, I've got a dream for your life. Or you have a relationship with me that's so much richer than that. That you might be in an area, and it might just be an area of your life, not even your whole life, where God wants to get you back to you being his person and he being your God. 
And that's what I want to talk about this morning as we look at the prophet Ezekiel. Now, uh, another thing that's a little different this morning, I typically pick a few verses that we focus on and we really drill down on. You can't really do that in the Old Testament, especially when you're talking about uh, a prophet language. So we're going to be moving through lots of different slides, um, but you'll be able to follow through, no problem. It's just uh, we're going to be kind of going through a little bit fast, okay? So here's what happens. We're in Ezekiel 36. 24, and God is talking to these people who who are off to the side who need to come back, okay? And here's what he says, and this is God talking through Ezekiel, for I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. God is retelling the dream that he has for this people. And then watch what he does. He's such a restorer, okay? I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. Let me just stop right there real quick. Sometimes we're in a land outside of God's dream for us because we just got taken advantage of or something. Sometimes we're in that land because of choices that we made ourselves. And that God allows us to do it and says, okay, it's not going to go well for you. It's not going to go well for you. And we say, I want it. I want it. I want it. You don't know what you're talking about. I don't trust you. I don't get it. And he says, okay, go. And we find ourselves stuck. You know, a good example of this would be the parable of the prodigal son. If you uh, want to read that, it's in Luke, okay? But if, if it's the same heart of God, okay, okay, you want it, you got it. And so this is, this is just such neat language from your heavenly father because he's saying, look, even though I sent you to discipline you, now we're going to come back. I'm going to sprinkle you with clean water. We're gonna, you're going to be restored. Now, the Bible says it this way. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're just going to set that aside. Your past is going to be restored and redeemed, okay? So that's the language of that. He says, I'll give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. This language is also in other books of the Bible. Jeremiah talks almost about the same exact language of of, of taking out this heart of stone, of bringing restoration, of taking you from that land where you're outside of God's dream for you, and he wants to bring you back. Even as I talk now, you're thinking about these areas maybe in your life where you're going, you know what, that's an area of my life where I, I don't think I'm living within the dream that God had for me. He's going to give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And then here's kind of the key verse of this, this chapter. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors and you will be my people and I will be your God. God is speaking to these people going, it's time to reignite the dream. It's time to get it back to the way it should be. And you can pick whatever area of your life you feel you've maybe been exiled to, your finances, your sexuality, your relationships, your past, past regret, your expectations, um, your marriage or whatever, where you just feel like, I need to get back to the dream that God had for me, where I would be his child and he would be my God. And that's, that's the language of this. And as a matter of fact, this This transition is so powerful to Israel and so powerful in our lives when we get back that people take notice. Watch what it says in Ezekiel 36, 35. It says, they will say that the land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. 
The cities that were lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed, and I have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. He, and then he gives this really neat word picture. He says, this is what the sovereign Lord says, Once again, I will yield to Israel's plea and do this for them. I will make their people as numerous as sheep, as numerous as the flocks of offerings at Jerusalem during the, her appointed festivals. So will the ruined cities be filled with flocks of people? You get this idea that there was this once this desolate place, and now it's just teeming with life. If you were to picture Israel, and, and they, they went through a little bit of this process in Nehemiah and the, the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem, but it was just when, when they first came out of Babylon and they showed up at Jerusalem, many of them just wept because of what was left over from when they had, when they had first left. And that journey from leaving the land that you're exiled to to rebuilding is Sometimes a hard one. And for some of, these, some of these Jews that were in Babylon, some of them were doing quite well there. It wasn't utter desolation for them. Some of them had started businesses. Ezekiel had a home there. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah prophesied to them and said, Hey, listen, go ahead. Just have family, start businesses, be productive. You know, if you're going to be exiled, you know, make the most of it. And here's the problem with being exiled. Sometimes we do make the most of it. So much so that we're outside of God's dream, but we're scared to come back because we know I'd rather stay in captivity, exiled, than make the journey that's so risky back into the dream that God has for you, that God has for me. And so God's trying to paint this word picture. Listen, whatever you've worked out over there, it is so much better here. There's so much life. It'll be like, you know, he was using that language. It'll be like the Garden of Eden. If you guys could just do what you're supposed to do, if you would just be my people, I will be your God. Now watch what he says, because a lot of what I say could sound like this health and wealth type gospel where it's like, and if you follow Jesus, you'll get an even better job, okay? Now this is God's thinking in all of it. Then they will know that I am the Lord. He's doing this out of his sovereignty. He's doing it out of his majesty. We just sang, how great is our God, okay? This is, this is one of the key things, that we don't just do it to live our dream with God's blessing. We do it to live God's dream for us. That might cost us some things, some time, some money, some relationships, some different things like that, but without the anxiety, without the fear, without the worry. We're safe in his arms. So that's, that's, uh, um, that's the dream God sets up in Ezekiel chapter 36. Now, some of you are thinking to yourself, my exile is not that great. My exile is actually really bad. I don't, I don't find it fun. But I don't think it's possible for me to get back. Some of you are sitting down and you're going, I deserve my exile for what I did. I, I, deserve, I, I deserve to be punished by God. I, I've made a mistake. I've made a mistake in my marriage. I've made a mistake in business. I've made a mistake with my kids. It, sh- it should be this way. And so Ezekiel has a prophecy for you. 
some, a word picture for you where you say, because of my past, or, 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 or maybe it wasn't your fault, and maybe you don't deserve it, but you just think there is no possible way my marriage is going to get restored. There is no possible way I can get back to where I was in my career. There's no possible way the family will ever be the same after this person left or whatever, however it went down. There's just no possible way. Ezekiel has a prophecy for you. This is Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1. The hand of the Lord was on me, which I don't know about you, but that would be frightening. Uh, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. Now, I don't know if this was actually like all of a sudden he's like, wait, I didn't finish my supper. You know, I don't know. He like ended up over there or if he was having a vision, okay? But, but something, this was very, very real to Ezekiel. Then the problem with this valley was that it was full of bones, okay? And so I want to just give you, I found this picture on the internet uh, and stole it without any copyright uh, uh, stuff. But, uh, but I just, like, that's how I pictured that verse, okay? These, just a valley, a barren valley full with dry bones, okay? And so when, when I read, uh, I like to, when I'm reading the Bible, I like to just kind of think about what was Ezekiel doing when God, the hand of the Lord was upon him? What was he thinking? What, was he scared? Was he whatever? And I, I just, when I pictured the valley of dry bones, I, I found that. Now, here's the thing. This is great when you're coming up with what is Ezekiel thinking about. But if your marriage looks like this, <laughs> that's a real problem. If you're past you just feel like you know what that was my 20s <laughs> thanks for the picture and the reminder right you know you have regret you've got w whatever maybe you're single and you're, you're you're wanting to get married and this is just what dating life looks like to you right now <laughs> okay <laughs> right you're like i dated that guy on the right <laughs> you know just just, <laughs> just just last night you know whatever i i don't i don't i don't know i don't know but I mean, it, when it gets down to Ezekiel's vision, that's one thing. But when it gets to our own life, maybe you had expectations for the way your life was going to go. You, you, you were going to move here and you'll be happily married and you have kids. And then all of a sudden, the divorce comes and that, you're just like, this is it. This is my future. Maybe retirement, you had these lofty expectations for retirement. And this just represents retirement to you right now. You're just like, man, I'm just, just trying to get through it. Maybe you had expectations you were going to travel or you were going to do that. Maybe you are getting older and your body's not doing the stuff you expected it to do or wanted to do. And you're starting to go, you know what? I, is life passing me by? Maybe retirement is a reminder that you were once important somewhere and now you don't feel that way anymore. Or maybe you're, you're in school, you're younger. And, and you had all these things, and your parents were just like, you got to get A's, you got to get A's, you got to get A's. And you just cannot get A's. And so now you feel like that's your future. I'm just destined to whatever. Watch what God says about that situation in your life, that area in your life that just feels desolate. And again, like I said, some of us feel like we deserve this in certain areas of our life because of what we've done. Getting back to that scripture verse, the hand of the Lord was on me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord. And he set me in the middle of a valley that was full of dry bones. He led me back and forth among them. 
And I saw great many bones on the floor valley. Bones that were very dry. There was no chance, okay, of that marriage being restored. There was no chance of your career getting back on track. There was no chance of whatever dream that you had of being uh, set straight again. So God asked a question to Ezekiel that he has for you this morning. If you feel like you've got an area of your life that feels like just dry bones. And here's the thing about God. When he asks a question, oftentimes, lots of times, it's not necessarily that he's looking for the right answer. Okay? But he's looking for an answer. He's looking for your answer. Here's the question he has. He asks me, son of man, can these bones live? Can this situation change? Can, can this desolate, hopeless environment actually begin to spring life again? Can you, in whatever area of your life, get back to that dream that God has for you? Can, can, can you get to a place where, I think I'm out of the valley of dry bones in this area. Even if some of your circumstances don't change. It's a great question. And it's a question for you to process with your Heavenly Father. Lord, He's saying to you now, can you you think something can happen? Now, Ezekiel has the right answer, of course, because he's Ezekiel and he's a prophet. Uh, He says, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. (laughs) Like, I I don't know. I, I don't know. You, only you know. I was talking this morning with someone from first service, and um, I was asking them some questions about their family situation and, I, and about a certain person in their family, and I said, you know, and he said, God only knows. And I said, hey, I'm preaching on that this morning. That's great. God, that's just, this is Ezekiel's way of going, God only knows. I, I, have, I have no idea. So check this out. He said, prophesy to these bones and say to them, So now here's Ezekiel, whether in a vision or in a valley of dry bones, going up, hey, little buddy, I don't know know how you prophesy to dry bones. But the how is not the important part. The next verse is the important part. It's not how he prophesies to the dry bones. It's what he says. And listen to what God tells him to say. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And I'm here to tell you that some of us are in a valley of dry bones because we've listened to other voices than the word of the Lord. You are in a valley of dry bones of how you're valued in your outward appearance because you've been listening to voices that say your outward appearance is the most important thing you have. You need to hear the word of the Lord. And not that voice. Some of you are are in a uh, situation in your finances where you dreamed for a lot more than you have. And and when you get around the family and the uncle's a lawyer and this person's successful and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff, you found your value in what you do and how much money you make. You need to hear the word of the Lord where your value does not come from that. And some of you, your value has come from having a spouse or having a a, a relationship and you're single. And every time you walk around, everybody asks you, so are you seeing anybody? So did you find anybody? So did you go? And you're just in this valley of dry bones. You know why? Because you're not listening to the voice of the Lord. 
You're listening to everyone else who are probably just interested and they don't know what else to say. They're not trying to get down on you, but, but that's the thing. And you're just like, you're just like, oh, 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 oh. And, and the pressure begins to build. I got to find somebody. I got to find somebody. You need to hear the word of the Lord. For some of you, you had these hopes and dreams for your kids. They were going to be a brain surgeon and a, and a rocket scientist or whatever. And then they, they hit uh, elementary school and you're like, okay, maybe if they could just be a, a professional like at a business or something. Or, and then you're like, well, maybe they'll start their own business. Or um, then you know, as they get older, you're like, maybe they'll get a job. They could just get a job. That's it. I, I, I just, that's all I want, okay? And then it's just like, well, maybe they'll get out of prison next week. Uh, you know, it's like, it's like all of a sudden, and all these hopes and dreams for your kids, and they were going to be this, and again, you're stuck in the Valley of Dry Bones, and you need to hear the word of the Lord. It says, your value isn't on your kids. I've got your kids. See, the word of the Lord is this. Your value doesn't come from any of those voices. Your value comes Listen to me, that you are created in the image of God and that he loves you and that he loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die so that you can spend eternity with him so that you would be his people and he would be your God. And so Ezekiel prophesies to these bones what God has to say about those bones, not what anybody else had to say about those bones. And some of you need to stop the record player that's going on in your mind about what your dad said at some age or what some coach said at some time or what, whatever goes on. And you need to stop that and begin to listen. What does God say? Now, he might say it's time, it's time to get up and change. He might say that. But you need to hear the word of the Lord. And so here's the word of the Lord to the bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you'll know that I'm the Lord. So check out what, what do you think Ezekiel does next? Ooh. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I was prophesying, there was a noise. Ooh, can you imagine this? A rattling sound. Guess what that was? Bones, okay? That, and it says, it goes on, it says, the rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone, like you could see these skeleton things just kind of clanking around. He says, I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, like, like that, those body exhibits, and one had a tennis racket, and one was playing volleyball. I, I don't know, but it, that's what it must have been looking like, you know, for him. And then skin covered them, thank goodness. But there was no breath in them. Now, let, me just, let me just stop here for one second. Oftentimes, restoration God's way doesn't always just happen. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it's just instantaneous, and God does a wonderful restoration work. My dad stopped drinking in a day, and he stopped smoking in one day, and he stopped cussing in like 14 years. But the point is... <laughs> Some, you know, that, that happened to him. But for some of us uh, who are in that journey back to the dream, it, 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 it takes some while. And, it, and, and there begins to be an appearance of God's restoration happening. But there's not that just movement of God's spirit, this Russian spirit. Well, there's a word for you that comes from Ezekiel. He said to me, prophesy to the breath. 
Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breathe from the four winds and breath into these slain that they might live. Here's the thing about receiving the breath of the Lord. It doesn't just happen. We have to make ourselves available to breathe it in. We've got to give ourselves opportunities to breathe in the breath of God. This, this picture, this word picture that, um, that, that God uses all through the Bible for what it looks like when a life that was in the valley of dry bones begins to uh, come alive and begins to enter into the dream that God has. The, the word God uses for this is shalom. It's, it's, it means, we use it as, think of it as peace, but it's really much more than that. It's universal flourishing. It's, it's the way things are supposed to be. And God's dream for you, whatever situation that valley of dry bones is, is that you would not only get out of that, but that there would be shalom, there would be breath, there would be life. That those things that you had once thought, there's no possible way I'm going to get out of here, are now things you look back and you say, He is the Lord. He did it. But we got to give Him an opportunity to do it. Just want to take one second, like I told you I would do every single week, and push how that's going to happen for us in the next several months. We are all, as many as I can convince, and I I will get down on my knees if I could get back up again. uh, We're going to try and get as many of us into these rooted groups as we can. Like I said last week, there's several costs to this. One is the book is $15, so you'll be out $15. The other thing is it lasts 10 weeks, so you'll be focused on something for 10 weeks. The other thing is you'll be talking to people, actual people, okay? So you're going to be in a group and, and you know, uh, you'll... you'll You'll have to share what you went over for, th- for that week. And sometimes that can be scary. But here's what I promise you. Here's, I will absolutely promise you this. You will put yourself in a position to breathe in the breath of God. That this life that we dream about, a life with our Heavenly Father, of, of a life without anxiety, a life without fear, a life without placing heavy burdens upon us that, that, uh, of expectation and all that kind of stuff, it, it, it can, can really happen. And so, just in passing, as uh, Adjua comes back up with the worship team, uh, if you want to join us on this, here's another opportunity. Jean Vier was telling you about those connection cards, and if you're new, we'd, we'd love to have you join us on this too. You don't have to have gone to church here for a long time. You can just join one of the groups. As a matter of fact, you'd be a blessing to one of those groups. And so, uh, on your connection card, there's a little thing on the back that just says, my next step is. And you just write rooted on there. Like I said earlier, we had, we've already had 70 adults that first week sign up for that, which is fantastic. Let's, let's break the 100 barrier. Let's, let's go. I mean, let, let's do it. And so if, if you'd like to do that, that's what you do. You just write rooted. If you have any questions for me or whatever about the thing, it's not a magic formula. It's not a, you know, get rich quick scheme. It's not like, well, after you do rooted, you've got to get eight other people in your downline to join because that way you'll get more blessings. It has nothing to do with that. It's just giving yourself an opportunity to breathe in the breath of God. So here's, here's what we're going to do now.
We're going to take communion, and everybody uh, who wants to make this connection with Jesus is welcome uh, to this table. He said everybody's uh, welcome to come. And so uh, what communion is, is it's a reminder of why we have this relationship with God in the first place. And if the ushers want to come forward and take them to either side, that would be be great. Um, And so uh, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, uh, which was just before his death, he, he took the bread, he, they were having a meal together, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave them this word picture of this is my body which has been broken for you. Whenever you take and eat, remember me. Remember this act that he's about to do. And he took the cup and he blessed that and he said, uh, this is my blood which is going to be poured out. Okay. Whenever you take and drink of this, re- remember me. Now, now here's the thing I want us to, to get as we, as we take communion because what will happen is, um, um, uh, are you, you, you going to poem it up? To? Yeah. 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 Okay. So as Audra was reading her poem or whatever, you, you just whenever you're ready, and, and even during that time, you can get up and go and, and get communion. Some people bring it back to their seats. Some people bring it to the altar here and they kneel down. All that's, all that's totally appropriate. But here's, here's what I'd ask you to do. During this time, as you remember how much your Heavenly Father loves you, The Bible says it this way, that God loves you so much that he gave his only son to die. And that's what communion is a reminder of, that you would spend eternity with him. Uh, As you're in that posture of remembering that that Christ gave you this opportunity, ask him, Lord, where's my valley of dry bones? What's the area in my life where I feel like I've moved away and I can't get out? And maybe for some of you, you don't have a valley of dry bones. You're just transplanted in another place where you know you're making it work. It's not where God wants you. Maybe there's an area in your life you're dabbling in some stuff that you know, it's not technically wrong, but I... And the Lord said, come on back. Come back to this dream where it's just you are my child and I'm your God. And so... uh, and then we'll, we'll, they'll sing a song and, and uh, we'll take communion together. Or you, you can take it individually and then I'll come back up and bless us. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for communion. We thank you for the reminder that you died for our sins. We thank you for all that you've done for us. And Lord, right now I pray as we spend this time um, taking communion that you would just uh, open our eyes to the places where we need to just Maybe take a couple steps back or maybe it's going to be a long journey, but you would just let us know. In Jesus' name, amen.